A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the lore hounds your guides to a multicolor heist. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Netflix original series Kaleidoscope, the green episode. Each podcast, we're going to cover an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. Check the show notes for our full watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled Green. As Netflix has randomized the viewing order for each user, be sure to manually select each episode if you want to follow along with us. As a reminder, you can send us your feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com, and we'll get to those emails for our season wrap-up podcast, which will drop on February 1st. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over at the Bald Move Discord. Link is in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated thread set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed so you can join the conversations at any time without fear of spoilers. A quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and want to support us directly, check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. For just three bucks per month, you get ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, early access, and more. Of course, you can always get our ad-supported podcasts on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice. All right, David, let's quickly go over our spoiler policy quick. So we discussed this on the Yellow episode, which was the first podcast we covered. Because this show allows you to go to each episode at any time that you want, we're going to silo each episode from spoilers from the others. So we may have watched other episodes, but we're not going to talk about spoilers from anything else as we talk about this. We're going to do our best, yes. (laughs) Yeah. We may slip up, but you'll be here with us. So yeah, we'll have a good time. So what were your overall impressions of Green, David? So this is our second episode that we watched. This is seven years before the heist. And I found this episode more enjoyable than I did uh, of Yellow. Um, There were just a few things in Yellow that confused me and threw me. I liked Yellow as an opener uh, episode because it really set some stakes in terms of the characters and the fact that the, you know, this crew is, you know, motivated to, to get into this vault. But I really enjoyed the backstory. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting to know, well, so we've got Leo Papp, right? He's, that's uh, Giancarlo's character, but he's known as Ray in this episode before he gets his name change. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Really threw me at first. Should we just call him Leo just to keep it simple? Because that's like what all the websites are doing, I think. Sure. Okay. Just just ruin my outline, David. Oh, did I ruin your outline? You did so much work on it. <laughs> it's okay. I changed it to Leo when he changes to Leo because oh, I'm real nice. cool with it. Yes, yes. You are nothing but accurate. Kinda. He's not going to just say he's Leo. He's got to be all Leo. Right, all right, all right. So we'll go with Ray for now. Anyway, it was really great to see Ray and Stan. And uh, I don't know, there was, I think maybe because this, this particular storyline was very coherent. It had a single narrative structure. I knew sort of where we were going the whole time. Whereas with Yellow, we were jumping around a little bit. And there was a couple yeah. of character introductions that threw me. Uh, so I felt like I could really sink into this one and, and really get to know Ray, you know, Leo, um, and uh, understand some of what was going on. So I, I really felt very satisfied by the end of this one. Right. Yes, I think that this was a great insight into what Ray slash Leo's motivations are about who he was before he became this mastermind. And it sort of sets up his relationship with Stan, too. Yeah. And I really liked this episode. I did outline this episode very linear linearly. Yeah. Because last episode, I siloed it based on the different arcs. But this episode, it makes sense to just go straight forward. And I think that's what you're talking about, is this was a front-to-back story. Uh, this was not something where you're jumping around. No, not complex at all. Uh, very, very clear in, in terms of motivations and timelines and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, that makes sense for the outline just to to run it straight as they as they did in the episode. Uh, I, something I did want to throw in uh, quick before uh, we get into the episode, and I forgot to mention this in Yellow, but um, it's very clear that the showrunners are also playing. Not only, you know, they're using the the colors as the titles, but they're also doing that in the post-production of these episodes. So at the beginning of Yellow, we get obviously a yellow title card, and then there's like a kind of a butterfly yellow design that sort of kaleidoscopes out. In this episode, when we get our green title card, we get some mushroom designs, which obviously play into this episode, you know, some sort of green mushrooms. But if you notice in yellow and in green, the color grading, the color grading is a process where uh, the showrunners, the post-production people can put in false color on a scene. And so they can make the highlights and the shadows with little different colors. And so you get like a blue moody scene or like uh, a vibrant, you know, uh, neon scene, something like that. It's a way to heighten colors, to heighten our emotion and, and the tone of um, a show that the show what we're watching. So both in yellow and in green, yellow is full of yellows, full of yellow highlights and yellow shadows. Green is full of green colors, but it's not only in the color grading, they're also doing it in the production design. So it's yellow paint or green paint, lots of, you know, green bottles or yellow bottles, things like that in the background. So I think every episode we're going to see dominant colors that mirror the episode title throughout. So just a fun thing. I don't think it means anything in terms of the heist itself, but it's just a fun thing that the showrunners are clearly having a good time playing with the production design of this and giving us some nice winks and nods uh, along along the way as, as we go with the season. You know, I think 
as you're saying that, it sort of puts together thematically too why they're doing the color thing. Mm-hmm. I think that they may be going with color associations with emotion. Interesting. Um, I think that, you know, green with envy is a thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I think that this episode has a lot of envy when it comes to Stan. Okay. I'll buy a that. lot of jealousy when it comes to Stan. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're going for. And maybe yellow is about fear. Okay. I'm not sure what other colors will be about. Right. But I think that that's something that we should watch going forward. Well, jump in on the Discord if you've got theories uh, about what the the colors mean in terms of um, emotional content for the show. Yeah, I'd definitely love to hear some more theories about that and see what people think uh, uh, on this. Because again, I think the the showrunners are definitely playing these kinds of of games. They're not, not in a malicious sense, but just, like they're having fun. They're like, hey, what can we do with this? Okay, we're doing this nonlinear thing. Okay, we'll give them the colors. Okay, well, what can we do with the colors in terms of production design and 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 post production? And what does that mean in the script writing and the acting and the tonality of things? And I think it's a uh, just a, f- a it adds a really cool fourth dimension to what they're already playing with. So uh, I would definitely love to see some more insights if people have them. Yeah. Well, let's get into it now. So we are seven years before the heist here. We have a quick montage at the beginning. Ray Vernon drafts a letter about why he's in prison. Judy prepares lollipops and drugs in exchange for SIM cards, which she delivers to Stan with detachable fingernails. Stan works in the kitchen and sells the SIM cards to other inmates. Uh, Notice, too, that all the lollipops are green. Um, Yeah. You know, Stan's, when he's doing his little carving, it's green soap. There's green paint on the wall. Like, it's it's all over the place uh, in this. Yeah. But I, I loved the, I thought the montage was a lot of fun. I thought the playfulness between Judy and Stan was great. I loved how she, you know, pulled her nails off with the SIM cards embedded in oh, there. Oh, yeah. That was just really nails. slick. That was so awesome. Wow. And, and just the whole trade up, right? Like, okay, here's some tickets. You're going to let me get my lollipops in because you know that those are drugs and da 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 da. So it was just kind of a fun um, to see this network and to see these uh, characters at play in the scams that they run. And, and uh, it was really fun to build out the dimensionality of their characters in that way so that we know that these guys are slick operators and that they, they really know what they're doing. Got to grease the wheels a little bit. Absolutely. And Judy knows how to do that. So Stan, though, is not so great with his customers because he gets assaulted by the Peckerwoods in the kitchen and yeah. he's saved by his roommate Ray who gives him an ultimatum either kill him or leave. That was a brutal scene like getting whacked by that that um that rolling pin was pretty rough and they they played the the violence of it pretty well. I thought the cut and and the blood and everything like that seemed very realistic. I was I was kind of disturbed to be honest. But Stan's got a sense of humor anyway. Are we set on that band name? <laughs> I am serious. Like, Stan is a very, like, naturally uh, uh, jubilant individual. He just seems to have a very upbeat take on life, even though he's sort of in, in, in a rough way. Um, and he's not going to let, you know, not let things like that get him down. He's going to keep on keeping on. Packer Woods is a terrible name for a gang. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Let's I, just be honest. Yeah. I, I, I broke no trouble with, it, with these guys. I'll, 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 st- I'll still way clear. I'll, I'll swing wide. 
Okay, so Stan tells Ray that Judy is the one back in their room, mm-hmm. and he gives Ray his carving shard for his soap sculptures, which he keeps inside his uh, book. Ray's hands are shaky while sculpting and at work as a mechanic. Yeah, the the handshake uh, thing, it seems pretty significant at this stage, and obviously we learn later that it's a, a medical condition. But I think it's the first drop of motivation that we get for Ray's character for like why he's um gonna you know decide that he's got to break out and do something about it i'm not convinced that he has parkinson's what i think that this could be just an anxiety thing Uh uh-huh oh you're really i mean how interesting would it be to have this guy who is doing these high pressure heists Uh who has a serious anxiety problem right I think that that'd be a more interesting story to tell, honestly. Um, But we'll see how this plays out. I mean, look, we know that this is seven years before the heist. We know that he is able to do a heist in seven years. So that's not a spoiler. Right. Parkinson's would not allow him to do a heist in seven years, probably. Right. Unless it was an extremely mild case. Yeah. I don't know the range of Parkinson's diagnosis. Maybe somebody could write in with that, but I feel like that is not a realistic diagnosis for him if we're going to do the rest of the plot of the show. That's an interesting, you know, you have not been wrong about these things in the past, Gay Mafia in in question. Um, (laughs) You're not always right, but you're not always wrong either. So I'm going to take that under advisement that I, I was, I'm, Pure, I was purely bought in on the Parkinson's diagnosis. Uh, my father had it before he passed. Um, you know, I know that it's you know it's a it's a it's a it's a, de- it's a big deal. You know, uh, for for folks these days. But it would be a great sucker move for the showrunners to give us that diagnosis, um, and then it have it be something else. Now, at the same time, it is a strong motivator for his character if he's got unfinished business out in the world, right? So. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to take your theory on advisement. Yeah. All right. Well, after getting shaky in the middle of the night and falling off the top bunk, Ray is examined by a doctor and learns that he may have Parkinson's disease. We also learn that Ray has been in prison for 17 years. So that's a long time to be in. And um, this is also, I think, where we get the setup for the doctor and uh, for Ray's plan here. So I think they're doing some nice plot construction here, right? They're, 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 they're manufacturing some circumstances here, but it's all making sense and it doesn't, I, I haven't, I don't hear any false notes in, in how this is, is rolling out. So um, okay. I'm, I'm feeling good so far, at least in Ray's plan and in the direction that he's going in. Okay, so Ray asks for supplies from Stan to escape, who refuses as he has six months left of his sentence. Understandable, right? Yeah, totally. Like, if I were Stan, I would not want to jeopardize that six months. Six months clean uh, versus, like, being on the run for uh, right. forever, you know? And then, like, if you get, you're going to get caught eventually, right? You can't, I mean, you're not, I mean, only Ray stroke Leo here is going to be the one master criminal who can, <laughs> who can do that kind of thing. You got to have an Ava. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think Stan has an Ava. He just has a Judy. Right. So next, and I'm going a little out of order here just to make this make a little more sense. Judy tells Stan the SIM card supplier came clean to his boss and he is out. Uh, Judy later returns with Bob, who tries to infantilize Stan, which provokes a reaction. 
As a result, Stan tells Ray he is in on the escape plan and he will use magic mushrooms as a distraction. Stan breaks the doctor's windshield and Ray offers to fix it in the prison shop. Ray also makes a mold of the guard's key while pretending to fall down. Right, yeah, so all of this was really good, um, uh, you know, escape prep stuff. The look on Stan's face when Judy breaks the news to him, like, I really bought his fear in that moment of like, there are dudes in here who are expecting me to to deliver, and this is bad. So like, we got to fix this because I'm in big trouble. Yeah, I mean, we saw the violence at the beginning. They're not yeah. playing around. No, the the uh, peckerdoodles really just can't handle not having their SIM cards. Well, and everybody else too, right? Like, I mean, there's a whole industry that is, de- you know, depending on his connect here. So that's right. really inconvenient. Really inconvenient. Yeah, Bob. God, like he was such an odious character. I I really really hate him. Um, you oh, know, he's horrible. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm supposed to hate him, and I do. So good job, showrunners, like, because you make me hate this guy. Uh, I, I was just waiting for one of the guards <laughs> to, like, come over and, you know, take Stan's side. But, you know, it wasn't to be. Why would they take Stan's side? They're not going to take his side. No, of course they're not. They're going to send him back to his cell. Because Bob is just an odious jerk. Um, anyway. Okay, so more on this prep. Stan pretends the magic mushroom powder is seasoning and dumps a large amount into the prison's oatmeal. (laughs) The prisoners begin to giggle. Ray is escorted to the medical center to get his treatment, and Stan cuts his hand to get sent there, too. I love him hyping himself up to cut cut his hand. It's really good. So funny. Yeah, like, because, you know, you're like, oh, it's a, you know, serious heist movie or whatever, you know, oh, I'm I'm tough as nails. He's like, no, like, he really had to, to... you know, make himself do that. And I don't think I could do something like that. Like that's a, that's a bad place to get a cut. And that is, yeah, um, that's, that bleeds a lot. It bleeds a lot. I mean, easily get it infected. You're you, you know, it's, you're constantly trying to use your hand in that position. That, that was tough. But you need something that's going to bleed a lot, yeah. but is not going to kill you. Absolutely. If you're going to get sent to the medical bay. And I have to give it to the actor, Peter Mark Kendall. He's doing a really great job with this. Stan is actually a little bit of a complex character. Um, it's easy to see him as a buffoon and just kind of a go along, get along type of guy, but there's actually some motivation here and there's actually some, uh, nuance acting going on and I'm, I'm really enjoying the portrayal. I, I really like what we're, um, we're seeing here in terms of his, his struggle and his ability to overcome his own fear and to face down fears. And especially in the heist here at the end, like when he, you know, waves off at the end, like that, that was, um, that was well delivered. That was a brave move at the end. So yeah. we'll, we'll get there though. We'll get there. After this short break. And we're back and ready to get the prisoners out of control in their <laughs> conga line of massage train and uh, just just taking a wild trip here. I thought it was a, a great way to, um, uh, you know, create the diversion. It was really funny to see these guys like doing their dances and the massage line. It was it was hilarious. It was a lot of fun to to uh, to see that go down. Like, what would you do as a guard or a medical staff? There's nothing you can do, right? 
you try to isolate these people one by one, but they're all right. tripping balls, right? Like having a good right. time. How much solitary do you have there, guys? Boy, I tell you. Um, yeah, and you know when you you know mushrooms are it's a social thing, man. You want to you want to sit around and laugh and have a good time. So not that I although you know. see a couple guys crying in there. Yes, having very emotional, cathartic moments. Yep. Some people are not having a good time. No, but you know they'll feel better afterwards, right? It's a good <laughs> emotional release. Well, if you say so, David. So these prisoners get out of control, and the medical team and guards are sent from the medical bay to the mess hall, leaving Ray and Stan alone. Ray escapes with the help of Stan, but Stan ends up distracting a guard and returning to the cells. I think that was the smart play on Stan's part yeah. there, for sure. I mean, that, like, gave Stan an alibi, kind of. Yeah, yep. And it, and he was acting like he was on the Magic Mushrooms, too. Let's, right. Uh, let's keep that in mind. I think that that's an important thing. Like, he's acting like he was drugged, too. Right. And, but he's got to, well, you know, there's, I, I think this is the kind of thing where you just kind of look between your fingers here a little bit. And uh, because, like, he's the guy growing mushrooms, right? Everybody in the yeah, prison yeah. knows he's the connect for all these kinds of things. So it's like, it wouldn't be hard to figure out. But again, I think we can we can just leave that that one aside. Agreed. I, I I think too, like an escape to get away in the doctor's car, both of them in the trunk, you know, sort of nestled in that backseat. That would have been tough because, you know, even as we saw uh, Giancarlo coming out of that, that was a uh, you know not a comfortable place to take a long ride. Right. Yeah, that was a tough time. I don't know how they were going to get. I think that was a split second decision to put himself in the seat of the car okay and or maybe not because i guess he did have time to plan with the uh the car in the shop right but it was really like how are they gonna fit both of them like you said yeah um and 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 again like why is he risking it for six months and if it's yeah. not gonna work out with judy because he's in prison for another six months and it wasn't gonna work out anyway right because why is she gonna want to be with him if he's constantly on the run right exactly yeah, he, he he would not be able to have any quality of life there. So I think it was the smart move. But he's green with envy. Yes. So we can't see past his rage. It's coming. I think Bob will get his comeuppance. I was really I was really nervous when um uh Ray was trying to turn the soap key, you know, with that sort of shaky hand situation. Like that was uh it, they played that nicely, uh with the whole yeah. distraction and stuff, and then you turn around and he's gone. Um, but yeah, I was, I was nervous for a minute there. Like that, like one, one too strong of a twist and that's it. And you've got a piece of soap stuck in that lock. How are you going to explain that? That's it. You know, gigs up. Yep. That's that. So Ray gets out, he hides in the trunk of the doctor's car, then inside the backseat cushion. He steals the car when it reaches the doctor's garage. Um, this scene of him coming out of the back cushion, it was like a birth. Right, yeah. it was uh, he was reborn into the world. Uh, so I, I thought that metaphor was pretty clearly delivered. You know, he's he's um, uh, a new man and he's got uh, a new mission. Well, I'm glad you liked it because I couldn't take it seriously, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I have watched the "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" Christmas special where Danny DeVito cuts himself naked and greased out of a couch. Out of a leather couch. Uh, okay, I have not And that's seen all that. I could think about all right. when I was watching this was Danny DeVito just slithering out of a leather couch. And so I can't take anyone cutting themselves out of leather seriously anymore. So thank you so much. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. You've truly ruined me for this kaleidoscope show. 
I don't know if that's an image I needed to have um, imagining. Well, now you either. have it. Aren't you glad? No, I'm not. <laughs> you know what? It was good comedy. It was good comedy. All right. But it was just, it was just horrific. Right. Ray drives the car to Ava, who will help him leave the country, but not contact his daughter, who was placed by Ava in another family. This was a big lore dump on Ray's family and his relationship with his daughter. Right. And with Ava here, as we find out uh, that their connection goes pretty far back. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious to see how their relationship develops, because this does seem like a strong bond. Mm -hmm. But we'll see where it goes from here. I don't I don't think he's going to leave the country at all, because how does that make sense with the heist? Right. No. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's and by the end of this episode, I think he's pretty resolved to stay anyway. Right. So the FBI is on Ray's tail, and they interrogate the doctor and one of the agents, Nazan, steals a prescription pad. Yeah, I was confused by this um, at the beginning until just now, literally just now, because um, when she's interviewing Ava later, there's uh, some conversation about uh, drugs and problems and stuff like that, and so that didn't really click for me until... Full, till just now. And so I, I think this has got to be one of those plot thread elements that we're going to see play out in, in other episodes. Right. So let's keep following Nizan. Nizan interviews Ava about Ray. Ava hints about Nizan's drug problem and dismisses them. Nizan's partner tells her to get her shit together. Right. So yeah, I mean, here there are two possibilities here. One is that it is just very clear that Nazan is high, which yeah. I think you can read from her face. I think that they sort of painted that. It wasn't super clear, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of glad that they didn't exaggerate it anyway. And I think that she just looked kind of messed up. Right. Then the other way you could read it is maybe Ava is so good that she is monitoring the investigation and she's been keeping tabs on the if FBI agents that have been going around and she knows that she's been picking up scripts left and right. That's, um, you know, that, that was my first theory on that. Like, how did Ava know this? So, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how um, Ava was putting all that together. So I think you've got probably your finger on both good theories there. I mean, Ava's a pro. You right. can tell by the end of this episode, she's just a pro. I mean, she can fake a death. Yeah. How many people can fake a death? So Ray's daughter, Hannah, works in a high-tech security firm, we learn, for a man named Roger. Ray approaches her and calls her Squirrel and asks her to talk. He gives her a speech, but Hannah is not receptive and says he left her. She says she will forget him again. So this is where we get some of Hannah's background. We don't see her roommate at all in this episode. Um, And she has a very distinctive uh, haircut and look that codes very Asian. And I was a little bit confused by how all that went down and why. And again, you know, I think it, one of those kinds of things that's going to resolve in time, because in yellow, she has a very different look um, than here. And then uh, they're doing, obviously, a lot of work with all the actors to age them appropriately to fit the, the timeline. So right. clearly, they've tried to bring uh, Hannah back to a, a, a younger looking, fresh out of college type, uh, you know, um, wet-behind-the-ears kind of uh, vibe for her. Um, but clearly, we see her at the start of her career with SLS. She's not even hired yet, is she? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. 
I mean, she does seem to have some kind of bond with Roger already. Yes. Because, no, I think she is hired because they said she works at a high-tech security firm. Okay. So she works for him and and he's like rubbing her arm and giving her a pep talk. So I don't think that that's something that you do in an interview. Right. No. Yeah, that would be kind of Let's hope not. Yeah, let's hope not. You need a better HR department if you're doing that. Talk to, uh, what's her name? Harper. Yeah, talk to Harper. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this episode up with a couple scenes. Nazan and her partner find Dr. Wagner's car with a burnt corpse. Ava had the dental records switched between Ray and the corpse so that they would confirm his death. Ray expresses his anger that Hannah works for Roger, who took everything from him. Ava gives Ray his new identity, Leo Pop. I will say that um, going back just a little bit uh, between um, Giancarlo and um, um, Tati Gabrielle, the and I said this in yellow, and I'll say it again. Whenever those two are on screen together, I get feels. I, I don't know uh-huh. what it is in their chemistry. I don't know what it is they're doing with the cinematography or anything like that. But whenever those two characters are on screen, I'm like fully invested. I want to know more. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm a dad and, you know, I'm thinking about my kid's future and some of the stuff that um, that Ray, Leo had to deal with, like, you know, to like separate himself from his kid, to protect his kid in that way. That's tough, tough stuff. Um, so that certainly hit me in the feels. And trying to see how Ray is going to win Hannah over, that's got to be a significant thing. Like, he's going to write her one letter and she's going to flip. Yeah. Like, oh, there's got to be more to that story. So I'm really interested right. to see how this father wins his daughter's attention and affection back to the point that, you know, conceivably more is going to be happening there. Right. Well, I have a lot of questions with that. Like, yeah. And after this next scene, which I'll read quickly, which is just that Ray leaves a letter for his daughter, Squirrel, yeah. which is his nickname for her, telling her that uh, Roger is not what she thinks he is. Right. So what is happening here? So first of all, what did Giancarlo do that made him need to go away? Was that his 17 years in prison? I don't know, because it seems like he might have gone away before that. Right. Maybe to do a job that got him in prison. I don't know. Um, And I have not seen the 20 years before episode yet, so I'm not trying to spoil anybody, I promise. Uh, I'm excited to see it now, though, because I feel like that's going to answer a lot of these questions. Yeah, so and and what are the chances that Ray is able to recruit Hannah? Like, is he specifically, you know, going and getting you know Ray's daughter? Uh, like, has he found her and 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 is you know sort of yeah. you know bringing her in for his own nefarious purposes? Because that's a pretty big coincidence, right? Like, yeah, if- I mean, I think that it could be that Roger is one step ahead of Ray. Yeah. And Roger is hiring her to get her inside Ooh. and sort of trap Ray, who he suspects of still being alive. That's a big beef. Like, for those two guys to be going at it. Now I have another thing, though. Uh-huh. He was already working at this company when he broke out of prison, so that doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. I don't know. But it, it does seem like a pretty big beef. I mean, he was enraged. He just st- stood there and stared when yeah. he saw that she worked for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a real gut punch for him. So, there was something else that Hannah said when they were talking on the bench of 
when Ray brought up her mother, she yeah. says, you don't get to talk about her, not after what you did. What did he do? Right, right. What right. did he do? Because that doesn't sound like going to prison. Right. That sounds like something way different. Right. Not just being a deadbeat dad, going to prison kind of stuff. But like, yeah, there was some something more pain, more, more pain caused, more, more betrayal, more, uh, more active, something, something bad, something really bad. Right. And we know that Ava got her a new family. Mm -hmm. So either her mom's not alive anymore, which it seems like they're hinting at that. Um, or she just like went off when, uh, Leo did. I don't know. It's, it's some big mystery here. So, all right, David. So those are my open questions are, what happened 20 years ago that made him distance himself from Hannah? What happened that made him not be able to talk about his wife, presumably, and her mother? And who is Roger? What did he do to Ray? Yeah. And does he know that Hannah is Ray's daughter? Do you have any other open questions? Not really at this stage. Um, I want to know more about Ava for sure. Like, what's her deal? She seems to be um, pretty powerful and uh, pretty competent. And um, she, she's his lawyer, ostensibly. Perhaps. She's certainly the document person. Yeah. So I'm, I think my biggest questions are around Ava right now. I think, you know, yeah. w- you know with, with Leo, Ray Leo, we're going we're gonna to see his arc through for sure. Yeah, I think it'll be fun to see a little bit more on Ava's background. Yeah. Well, very cool. All right, David, let's do a quick housekeeping. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be binging this, so we'll keep it quick. Uh, our Patreon shoutouts for our lore masters are Samartian, Mark H., and Michael G. Thanks so much for being in our top tier. It's really great uh, to have this kind of support so we can keep this going and keep getting these podcasts out early. Um, we have fun stuff going over on Bald Move. We have the Last of Us coverage with Jim and Aaron, and we have. Uh, the House of the Dragon feed with Electric Bukaloo covering A Clash of Kings, the second book in A Song of Ice and Fire with Maester Anthony. This month on the Lorehounds, every Wednesday and Saturday, we have a new episode of Kaleidoscope coverage. And you can get all these pretty early if you sign up to our Patreon. I'm trying to get them out as soon as I have them done editing on Patreon. So definitely go there if you want them earlier, if you're binging the show like we are. Other than that, write into lorehounds at thelorehounds.com if you have any questions or feedback, and we'll get to that on the season wrap. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. The Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at thelorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. 
Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the fourth be with you all, all month and beyond.